Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving. From the moment you start, Ruoff makes sure the process moves quickly, often twice as fast as other lenders, so you can close quickly and settle in sooner. Visit Ruoff.com to learn how you can qualify for the fastest loan of your life. That's Ruoff, R-U-O-F-F dot com. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go racing here at Knoxville. Only the best go three of It is showtime at Williams Grove Speedway. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here at Eldora Speedway, it's showtime. You go for a rip. Often imitated, never duplicated, the greatest show on dirt, the world of to sit back, relax, and enjoy, because ladies and gentlemen, it's showtime! Set to do battle for 30 laps, the green flag is waving! Hello again, it is Winged Nation, talking sprint car racing, our favorite time of the week, and we are so glad that you have joined us. Aaron Evernham and Steve Post here. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Fantastic. Fantastic. Great time at the beach. Uh, Real quick on this, Craig, our monitor is not working. If you're not doing something else, mashing buttons or anything like that, Um, our monitor is not working. We can't see anything here. And it's all right because I've got Aaron right here next (laughs) to me. But, um, you know, it's just weird, a little dynamic, a little different here. Um, Yes, Daytona 500. If Joey Logano ran a midget car, we'd have had a chili bowl finish. Yeah. Because there we go. We've got monitor back. Everything is good. So um, if, um, you know, you have Kyle Larson up there mixing it up. Yep. You have Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. mixing it up. It was the yeah, darndest thing. That was pretty neat, yeah. It was like, um, it was, um, and, and then Joey Logano, to his credit, uh, it, I think it speaks volumes for Logano that he can hang with the dirt guys. I think that speaks good for that <laughs> he lo- might have young, a future that young Logano boy hanging yeah. with the dirt guys. It might be all right with him. I, actually, he ran... Dirt Modifieds last year down at Volusia yeah. for Skip Flores and won some races. So, um, Daytona 500. Um, I know this is Wing Nation sprint car stuff, but one of ours won the Daytona 500. One yep. of our own. Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, wow. Just wow. It was neat. It was really cool to see. You know, he, we all know in his cup career, he's gone through ups and downs. Sure. And I think this was his first win in a while, right? Yeah, since 2017. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we were watching the end of the race, and I was laughing with Ray about how I remember when he was like a 15-, 16-year-old kid in, in West Memphis at the ditch racing against him. And he actually sent me um, – he still had like a time trials where I had out-qualified him. He had sent me a picture of it years ago. But to see him come this far and, and win the Daytona 500, how cool is that for us sprint car people? Really, truly is. Ricky is just um, – he's, he's first and foremost just quality person. Yep. He's a really good guy. And he um, – and and then just to go out and win the race. And I thought it was even fascinating just the way the race unfolded. Um, he looks like he's going to get a push from Larson. 
and Larson got too good of a run. Yeah. And and Kyle actually said on our broadcast that when he caught Ricky, it was in the middle of the trioval, and he had to go. Had it's to. like, why did Larson not? Why did Larson you, go to you the middle? Can't. Yeah. If he'd have stayed on Ricky's back bumper, they'd have wrecked there. Exactly. And so. When Larson goes up to the middle, I'm like, oh, man, that's not going to no help Ricky. No man's land, yeah. Uh, here's Christopher Bell, slides right in. Yep. Larson gets jinged up, and the next thing you know, Stenhouse is celebrating. Um, just a lot of fronts on this. The, the race team that Ricky is with, um, JTG Darty Racing, yep. wonderful, wonderful people. They have been doing this starting in the Xfinity Series. Tad and Jody Geschechter, yeah. a couple team, they have been doing this for nearly 30 years. It was 95 when they started fielding Bush Series teams at the wow. time. ST Motorsports. Yep. Um, and scratching and clawing. They won years back with A.J. Allmendinger at Watkins Glen. They won a race. So it's their second win as yep. team owners. But it's the Daytona 500. Absolutely. And their crew chief, Mike Kelly. Mike I mean, Kelly. He's, he's been at the Chili Bowl. He comes to oh, sprint yeah. car races. Yeah, his career first win yeah. as a Cup Series. Mike is a great story. Mike yep. is one of those people. If you run a business, if you run a team, if you have a friend group, if you have anybody, and Mike Kelly is part of that group, you, he's a good one. Yeah. He was crew chief for Ricky. He won the two Xfinity Series championships. They move up to Cup, and it was determined at Roush Fenway Racing that they did not want Mike to be the crew chief. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it takes a special kind of person to stay on a program when you're told, we no longer want you to lead the program. Yeah. You know, that's the special kind of person Mike Kelly is. Now, Mike and Ricky are very tight, and Mike believes in Ricky. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the car chief role for years and years. The, they all move over to JTG Darty Racing, and he yep. stays in it. And after further review, you know, maybe Mike Kelly is a pretty good crew chief. And here he is, uh, Daytona 500 champion. Um, just so many things. I was in victory lane, um, which I have been the most fortunate Daytona 500 victory lane person in the planet. I've done three of them now. Since Winston Kelly retired, I had Michael McDowell's career first win. Yep. I had um, a- um, Austin Sindrick's career first win, and he's one of my Bandolero kids. Yeah. So Austin, you know, and I go back with Michael on a lot of projects as well. I go back with Austin to his first Bandolero races I announced. And then and then to have Ricky yeah. in there, just my, my sprint car buddy. I mean, just so cool. So I'm sitting there in victory lane, and the next thing I know, I get a claw on this shoulder and an arm around my chest. And I'm like, whoa. And my assessment is that this is a person who has worked with his hands his whole life. It's Big Rick. I got a bear hug in there. But, I mean, when he got a hold, when that claw got a hold, there's a guy that's man wrenches all of his life. And I'm just like, I mean, my first thought was, whoa, wait a minute, you know. Well, his his boy won the Daytona 500. He had every right – and I think he was looking for a friendly face to hug, yeah. and uh, it was cool. Rick, Big Rick was there in Victory Lane, and just just an awesome, awesome. It was fun. Christopher went to Victory Lane. I saw um, I saw Kyle, Kyle go to Victory yep. Lane. I know Blaney went to Victory Lane. Um, really, really good. And um, now, now with all of his winnings, maybe Ricky can afford a 410 engine. He's been, <laughs> he's been pining for a 410 engine. He wants to run a bunch of the high-limit races. And they had some kind of deal that wasn't going the way they wanted to. With and it, it involves the the, the seventeen team, yeah. And you don't want to take inventory from there. And uh, so he's um, right now going to be a three sixty racer in sprint cars. He went down to Volusia a few weeks ago and had two podium finishes. Yep. 
Um, but you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit something, maybe something, a little, maybe yeah. a little bonus, maybe a little bonus or something like that. Um, and then they went, then he took the trophy to Waffle House. Did you see that? I did see that. That's just, that's a true sprint car race. That is, there. that is. Waffle it doesn't House. matter if it's a Waffle House in West Memphis, Arkansas, um, Little Rock, Arkansas, yeah. or Daytona Beach, Florida. You win the race, you take the trophy to the Waffle House, and so I love it. I just there's so much good about this. Yep. Um, and, but the biggest thing is one of our guys, one of our sprint car guys, a team owner for the world of outlaw and NASA and sprint car series won the Daytona 500. And that is, that is just huge and good. Let's get into our Hefner racing product, hot topics. Um, today on the program, by the way, Sam Hafer chief jr. And Brian Kemenaw in a, uh, in a statistical anomaly, there may have been more tires changed at East Bay than at Daytona. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, one of those nights. Uh, but Sam was the last man standing, or I think the first man to have a flat tire, yeah. which became the last man standing. And we're going to have a talk with one of our favorites. I know you and I have talked about this guy forever, and you talk to him all the time. I talk to him all the time. Brian Kemen. Yeah. Um, got a new deal. Um, he's, he's, he was wrenching some sprint cars, I believe, in Florida, but he's got a deal him and Christopher Bell are doing, Bell Kemen all racing. Yeah. And want to talk about that and just his... His take on things. He's such a good guy. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun. Hefner Racing Product Hot Topics. Big Daddy is back. Yes, Chris Windham going to run 75 races with Lane Motorsports. Now, Lane Motorsports was the team that Cap Henry was driving yep. for. Okay, they parted before the end of last season. And now here comes Big Daddy with some NOS sponsorship. And they're going to run 75 races. They're going to run the Tezos All-Star Circuit of Champions. Everything at Eldora. Uh, including the Million, the Kings Royal, which are non-All-Star races. They're going to run the Knoxville 360 Nationals, the Knoxville 410 Nationals, uh, with sponsorship from NOS. So um, that's a great add in his sophomore season. Yeah. going to be SEC now what Chris Windham does in the All-Stars. He's going to win some races. Yeah. And um, after a first season, and that was a first season with a brand-new team, too. The, the, um, the Lane Motorsports team has been around the horn a couple times. Yep. So I think that'll I think I think that's awesome for for Chris. He's just wonderful, and uh, he is a great ad for the All Stars. The fabulous Lincoln Speedway. Now this is this is quintessential <laughs> Lincoln. Okay, yep. we know this weekend is the icebreaker, and the countdown for the icebreaker has been on. Jerry Parrish and the gang start looking at advanced radar, and it doesn't really look good for this coming weekend. <laughs> no, Thursday, seventy. Five degrees mm-hmm. in central Pennsylvania, and Jerry Parrish pulls the trigger on this thing and says, let's do, and they're calling it Icebreaker Opening Day, it's Thursday night, 75 degrees racing in Pennsylvania at the fa- They moved the icebreaker up. I love it. I, I mean, do, too. Good for yeah. them. Good on them. We live in a different era. In the old days where you used to you used to have to rely on Area Auto and Gator yeah. Racing News. For the schedules, for the and, schedules and everything like this. We live in an era where other than an occasional person who can't make it because they work or something yeah. else, which is understandable, um, the, here's the reality of this thing. The weather doesn't look good for this weekend up there. No. Okay? So you have a choice. Sit around and whine because we didn't race this weekend. Race mm-hmm. Thursday night. And then see what happens this weekend, but get a race in. Um, I like it. I, I, it's, it's, it is the, the single most Lincoln Speedway thing to do. <laughs> Move the icebreaker up. Are you kidding me? I think that's fantastic. And Sam Haferteep Jr. run the Ronald, Ronald Laney Memorial. It was Haferteep, Max Stanbaugh, Terry McCarl. Lots and lots of flat tires. <laughs> Thursday night was Cole Macedo. 
Friday night was Aaron Reitzel. And there you have it. Hepner Racing Product Hot Topics. Hefner Racing Products, their website, easy to shop the entire line of Hefner Racing Product products. HRPRacing.com from the desktop or right on your phone. First-time orders, use promo code MRN at checkout for 10% off your first order. Oh, my. HRPRacing.com. That's <laughs> www.HRPRacing.com. We need to step away. The Sage Fruit Hotline's getting ready to get fired up, and when we come back, Sam Haferteep Jr. will be our guest. Sage Fruit is a premium grower, packer, and shipper of Washington tree fruit. Apples, pears, and cherries, and it's always an exceptional eating experience, and they're grown in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Not only is their produce healthy, but they are grown with such care and precision that you can count on each piece of fruit having exceptional flavor. High-quality fruit, exceptional flavor, healthy snacking. Make sure when you go to your local grocery store, ask for Sage Fruit. Sage Fruit, it's our first choice for quick and easy snacking. Dirt Empire Magazine is the ultimate dirt track racing only magazine in the world. Featuring interviews, opinions, event photos, tech, and 100% racing action. Each issue includes late models, modified sprint cars, and more. Big event photos from the best photographers in the sport. And great one-on-one interviews with the top driver. Wing Nation, presented by Sage Fruit, continuing on. We promised he was going to be here, and we love chatting with our first guest. Joins us on the Sage Fruit Hotline after that win in the Ronald Laney Memorial down at East Bay. Sam Hayford Jr. rejoins us here. Hello, Sam. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys? We are doing well. Sam, we had a brief chance to talk during the commercial break, and it was awkward, but a win is a win. Congratulations <laughs> on getting the East Bay win. Kind of walk us through some of the some of the things you overcame with getting that victory. Uh, Thursday night, uh, yeah. we got into a wreck going into turn one, so that uh, pretty well ended our Thursday night. And honestly, the way that deal works with the point system, you know, if you don't get any points on Thursday – it's pretty tough to to rebound at that place. So we all honestly debated on going home, um, but uh, we welded on the car a little bit. You know, pretty much changed all the parts and got back ready for Friday. And I thought, well, you know, our owner doesn't get to come to the track very often. If if he's here, we're going to race no matter what. And uh, got got out there Friday, and and, and we we ran decent. Uh, you started on the pole of our heat, so it was really tough to make any points up there. <clears throat> and so we did as good as we could, and we won the heat. And then, you know, we ran fifth in the feature, which <clears throat> was a solid run, uh, and and it put us, I think, fifteenth into points going into Friday or going into Saturday. And then, you know, we had to run the heat there, started third, ran second in that heat, so we gained a little bit there, and then put us in the eleventh hole for the feature. And it started laying rubber, I guess in the end of the heats there and in the bees obviously and you know he went and went and recut the track and that place is really hard to read sometimes you know depending if the tide's in or the tide's out and you know what what they do to the track you know how how wet it'll actually be or how dry it'll be and and it'd been wet so wet all week i thought when he cut the track maybe you know maybe we uh you know we would probably we changed our strategy like if it was going to lay rubber we had some tires that weren't weren't prepared to you know maybe take off as as well as the other ones did and then when he cut the track i just told bob i said hey let's just go for it i said let's put the more aggressive prep tires on there you know you know we we had a little heavier siping on those tires and 
honestly, you know, the decision we made was the wrong decision if you were trying to make, you know, make it last. And I knew as soon as it laid rubber as quick as it did, I said, well, we're just going to run it as hard as we can because now I was pretty sure there's no way our tires were going to make it, you know, as, as, as heavy as they were siped, especially the right rear. And, and, uh, you know, naturally we popped it like lap 22. And I mean, we've seen this show a hundred times. It seems like, you know, where guys pop tires early and then they're, you know, they're, they're the victor late. So I kind of just, you know, that's what we did. You know, it wasn't like it was planned, but I knew once it laid rubber as quick as it did, I thought, well, we're just going to have to use this thing up and, and, you know, not try to nurse it. Cause even if I tried to nurse it, there's no way we would outlast some of the other guys. So, and I knew that. So our whole goal was coming there to win, you know, and, and, uh, cause it doesn't pay that good on back past, you know, the top three there. So I really just knew that, you know, let's try this strategy and see how it works. Sam, when you did pop the tire, put on a new right rear, you put on a different, I mean, I don't even know what tires you're running these days, uh, prepped or compound harder because you were pretty aggressive. I, I, for someone who, you know, with 18 laps to go and as much rubber was down, you still made some pretty bold moves. Yeah, we, so the tire we put on, like it's, it was, that place is so hard to build heat when the, when the tracks, you know, real dry or I'm sorry, real wet. <clears throat> it's so hard to build a heat and build grip. So you know, some of our, some of our earlier heats in the week, I could take us, you know, three or four laps to get fired off. So I just mm-hmm. told Bob, I said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of waiting on our car to fire off. Let's just swipe, swipe the hell out of the tire and see, you know, see if we can fire off right away. And naturally that's what we did, you know, the start of that feature. And I knew our other tires were nowhere near swipe like that one. So I knew, I knew I could run it pretty hard and it would last a decent amount, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, that's why we were so aggressive coming back up through there. And and then the other thing I knew at the back of my mind, you were going to have other guys popping tires behind me. And if they figure out the same thing that I did, you know, they could essentially do the same thing I was doing. And then, you know, if we came down to five to go and they had more tire left than me, you know, I could be, you know, I could be the guy that got passed. So I just wanted to be aggressive and get out front. And then if I could do that, I could control the pace of the race and, and kind of, you know, kind of control it from there yeah well it, it, it turned out well that's for sure and i think your strategy uh be one of the first ones to have a problem which is a weird <laughs> racing strategy but uh, uh you're right we've all seen that before sam there's there's something about this race and we've talked to we've talked to mark smith a lot about it we've talked to terry mccarl a lot about it there is this is just uh and and for as messy as saturday night with this is a fairly coveted, and you've won it before, pretty big coveted event in, in 360 sprint car racing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last year coming into there, we had never won that race, and I'd always been terrible at East Bay. And, and uh, you know, last year we won it. Uh, and, I, you know, like I say, I, I felt like it was one of those races that it was a it was a real big race to win, you know, for us at the time. And, and uh and we came back this year, and I think we had a stouter field of competition this year yeah. than we even did last year. Uh, it's just – it's probably the, one of the most unique racetracks I've ever raced at. It's a place that you battle grip the whole time, and, you you know, it's it's tough to get a hold of it. You know, that's why you continue to see the same guys run up front there, you know, on Saturday nights usually is because it's so hard to get a hold of. And, and whatever those same guys do – they've got a handle of something that, that propels them to the front. And, 
you know, we're starting to look like we know what we're doing there too, I guess. Yeah, certainly. Sam, you started off the, the season at Volusia, and I know you've said you're mostly going to run 410 races uh, throughout this season. What was your uh, assessment of your time at Volusia? Well, you know, we came in, uh, we got new cars this year, uh, three new crew guys, uh, just kind of a whole new revamped team, and uh, <clears throat> which I think it's a step in the right direction for us. It's I knew it'd take us some time to kind of start meshing and start figuring everything out. And, you know, I've kind of taken a role, kind of taking the back seat and more of just a driver now and trying to give feedback. So it's a learning curve for me. Uh, and like I say, I knew it'd take us some time, but I mean, we've showed great improvement. We've uh, night after night after night, you know, I'm not saying we were contending for wins, but, you know, we definitely showed improvement. We showed a lot of speed. Uh, we, we didn't have as good of qualifying speed as I would have liked, but our racing speed was honestly, you know, really good. And, and we made a lot of gains and I'm really happy with where we're at and and where we're going. How uh, challenging is it to start the season at Volusia? Because you talk about speed and, and the outlaw schedule is weird this year because usually you go to California and it's all bull rings and all bull rings. It's a little different because uh, you're going to Volusia and then you're going to Port Royal as far as the world of outlaws go. But how is it? Is it a good gauge? Is it you have to keep it in perspective? What happens at Volusia? How do you balance that, Sam, being so early to kick off the season? Uh, you know, that's all we, I mean, that's all we've ever done well, is true. go to Volusia at the beginning of yeah, the year. So yeah. for me, you know, it's one of those things where, I mean, everybody always says, well, you get take whatever you did in Florida and throw it out the window. But, you know, I don't believe that. I think it's, you know, I think it's a really good starting point for us to go down there and, and to shake the car down. I think you find out a lot about your program when you leave there. Um, and, you know, and I feel like it, it is, it's not the make or break of the season, but it really does get you off to the right start and, and get you heading in the right direction. I think every every guy that competes there would tell you that. And uh, like for us, I just know going into Port Royal, I feel like, you know, we've, we've been running on a big track for, you know, most of the time down in Florida. So going into Port Royal, I feel like we'll have a good handle on our race car. And I feel like, you know, we'll be uh, be ready to rip when we get there for sure. Sam, what does your schedule look like for the year? Is there uh, one series that you're predominantly going to follow? Or are you going to go all over the place? What What does it look like? Uh, we've got uh, probably around 50 outlaw shows, probably around 25 uh, all-star shows. And then we have – we may run all of the high-limit deal. We might miss one or two. But, you know, as of right now, it's looking like we'll get close to running all of them. And then, obviously – you know, all the, all the bigger shows out in Pennsylvania, we'll run some, some PA speed week shows, some Ohio speed week shows. Um, and then I think the only other 360 race that we have on schedule right now is 360 national. Nice. Nice. Get down to Knoxville. Sam, as a, as a guy that has been so hands-on and you've been such a big part of this sport, you've managed teams, you've done all of it. The addition of high limits and basically, Kyle and Brad have dropped twenty, and in two cases, fifty thousand dollars to win races. Twenty thousand dollars to win races out of the blue. They're not impacting anybody. I mean, they may actually draw some more people to World of Outlaw races. How nice is that for four ten sprint car racing right now for a guy like you that's inclined to get on the highway and put some miles on? How, how neat is that for you to have another whole option there that you try to factor in? 
Well, for us, it's huge. I mean, the state of sprint car racing right now is uh, about as good as I've ever seen it. Um, you know, all these teams for all these years, they've been putting a lot of money into the race teams. You know, all these outlaw teams, they've been putting a lot of money in. Now you've got local teams putting money in. You've got, you know, teams like me putting a lot of money in. And, you know, you now all these teams have personnel. They have, you know, everything it takes. And now it seems like, sprint car racing stepping up to the level of like the the level of what we've been building our teams and i feel like it's huge to to be able to go race for the kind of money that these guys are paying um you know obviously you've got the the million at eldora you know two hundred fifty thousand at husitz you know knoxville's raised their deal up i mean it's it's amazing what it's you know what the sport's doing i felt like you know it's been capable of doing this but you know, I think with, you know, flow and dirt vision and and those guys being able to get more fans involved than we've ever seen before. And it brings uh, another avenue to our sport to, you know, to bring money. And, and I think that that's the huge thing going forward for, I mean, I, I feel like sprint car racing has been needing it. And, you know, you just have to have to have people to stick their neck out, you know, for sprint car racing. And it's good that we have the the people we have in our corner doing that. It does seem like that for sure. I actually like your assessment a lot. It's really, really good stuff and lots for us to watch, lots for us to keep an eye on, and we'll be keeping an eye on you as well as the season unfolds, Sam. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Look forward to catching up with you at the racetrack sometime, but thanks for joining us here on Wing Nation. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Always always fun to be on. There we go. Sam Hayford-Teep Jr. Boy, what a, he's just been a rock solid stand up citizen of the sprint car community, hasn't he? He just, yeah. And you know, he's always kind of done his own thing, but I love that. I love that he's got a little independent streak in him. Um, and I I just, I've always enjoyed and, and I, and I really like the way he positioned all of it with that final answer. You know, it's taken the, the people at the top to stick their neck Mm -hmm. out. Uh, the combination of dirt vision and flow are putting us in front of more eyes. Yeah. So people are stepping out and everything. And, um, you know, now it's time to build those programs. I find it fascinating. He's got new cars and new equipment, too. Yeah. That's going to be fun to see. Um, man, I'll tell you what. Love, t- love chatting with Sam Hayford-Teep Jr., that's for sure. He joins us on the Sage Fruit Hotline. Stay with us. When we come back, Brian Kemenow will be our guest on that same Sage Fruit Hotline. Sage Fruit is a premium grower, packer, and shipper of Washington tree fruit. Apples, pears, and cherries, and it's always an exceptional eating experience, and they're grown in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Not only is their produce healthy, but they are grown with such care and precision that you can count on each piece of fruit having exceptional flavor. High-quality fruit, exceptional flavor, healthy snacking. Make sure when you go to your local grocery store, ask for Sage Fruit. Sage Fruit, it's our first choice for quick and easy snacking. The National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum's newest exhibit will be our track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway inside the museum's main floor from April 3rd through October 2nd this year. You'll learn about the beginning of Williams Grove Speedway and the evolution of sprint car racing on the East Coast through eight of the iconic big cars and sprint cars that made up the history of Mechanic Birds Pennsylvania's Williams Grove Speedway. Plus, you'll see videos of historic national open sprint car races and other racing events that put Williams Grove on the map. That's the track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway, featured April 3rd through October 2nd at the only museum in the world solely dedicated to sprint car racing, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum 
in Knoxville, Iowa. Aaron, you know what puts a smile on my face when I'm at a racetrack? What's that? When I walk around a corner and see Brian Kemenaw. I just, we, there are times we'll have a three-minute conversation, and there are times we'll have a 45-minute conversation, and I always enjoy it. And so we're going to go to the Sage Fruit Hotline and have another conversation. Joining us, a multi-time winning crew chief, famous (laughs) father-in-law, famous famous brother, famous all-around good guy, Brian Kemenaw joins us. Hello, Brian. How are you? Uh, hi, Steve. Hi, Aaron. How are you guys? We are well. We are well. Brian, the season has started. I think I saw you with a wrench in hand somewhere in Florida. Um, I know you got a lot of projects going on with Christopher as well. Um, how are you? How is the season getting started? How are you? Are you staying busy in your new digs here in North Carolina? Um, very, very, very busy. Um, we've ran four races with our own car, with the 360, with Gavin Bolshell, which is doing a remarkable job our last night out he went from seventh to third there at henry county and we're actually getting ready to leave tomorrow to go back to florida to run some more uscs stuff with him at uh, milton and then oh we're going to go over to mississippi for a weekend then come back and then get ready for uh the millbridge stuff the millbridge stuff is literally three or about three weeks away so we're very, very busy here getting stuff done there. And then I'm still still working remotely for Kistler. So every day I'm taking orders and shipping back. And I, I, you know, love my customers and the people I've been, you know, very, very lucky to become great friends with over the last 35, 40 years racing. And uh, it just, it keeps me, I guess it keeps me young, I guess. It keeps me going. Well, Brian, I'm, I'm thrilled that you and Stacy finally made it to North Carolina, but you're about 13 years too late. You know, we had that crew chief option in 2010 <laughs> that I still wish you would have taken. But uh, with all that said, how has the move gone in, in working with Christopher and obviously um, Morgan to start this new team? How, how cool has it been to, to do this? I know it's been a dream, something you've been talking about for years. It's, it's really good. Um, you know, Christopher had two micros himself. And uh, Eric Manfres, who is actually originally from Ohio, has has been with Christopher for the last, well, I think, year and a half. And um, so it's me and Eric. And then, you know, and Christopher, like today, he's been here all day. Um, He didn't have to work today. So he comes and hangs out with us in the shop, which is great. You know, he walks in and we tell him, you know, hey, bud, just because you finished third in the Daytona 500, that clutch needs adjusted over there. And it's fun. It's it's a, it's a really good time. So, but very, very lucky, very, very, you know, things are going well. We have um, four micros now. And then with the sprint car, it keeps me and Eric busy every single day. I mean, there's always something to do. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the micros, but I, but you had, you had referenced uh, Gavin Bochel running the 360 car with some USCS races, and you guys are getting ready to hit the road again here. Um, what's it like mm-hmm. as a veteran crew chief, not only training a a uh, a young racer, but a young kid? I mean, and, and Gavin's, I don't know, Gavin's 14, 15 years old, I think it is, is all. Uh, he, just, he, just, he just turned 15 last week, as a matter of fact. Just turned 15. What is what is that like when when you, you've dealt with brothers and you've dealt with other people driving your race cars? What's that like with, uh, with, with a young man with uber talent, no doubt, but what's that like? Well, I'll tell you, it was really weird. You know, 
we were kind of contemplating on taking him to Volusia for the very first time. And me and Christopher had talked first, and he said, you know, you've been very fortunate. You've had a lot of fast cars at Volusia. I think he'll learn quicker on Volusia. You know, it's, sure, it's way faster. I think mm -hmm. the 360s were still going up like 115 miles an hour. You know, I mean, Volusia was very fast. And they had a great, great car count. And we go there and our second, our second hot lap session, he goes number one on the board and st stayed number one the whole practice night. So we had 40 some cars there and, and we were the fastest car there with a 14 year old kid. It was really, really remarkable. And he did a great, great job all week. He's, he's such a respectful, you know, very, very nice family. Um, you know, Chris and his mom, I mean, all of them are, they, it's been fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's only been four races so far, um, but he did remarkably well. You know, we're going to, you know, say we got four more races in the next two weeks. And then, uh, you know, we'll get busy running in the micro. We're hoping to get probably 25 to 30 with the micro with him. And maybe it'd be nice to get 20, you know, 20 or so with the sprint car if we can. The, the hardest part is there's not that many sprint car races around here, you know, mm -hmm. close. So, but then we got, you know, we got some other micro guys too that, you know, that we haven't even got a chance to practice with. So we're going to get them out hopefully in two weeks, at least, at least two practice sessions before we take them to the track. Wow. So it's, it's definitely keeping us, you know, it's keeping us on our toes and it's definitely, you know, it was easier than I thought with, the. Uh, I, I thought it would be a lot harder than what it was. You know, I think me and Eric have got everything pretty much, I would say, I'm very happy the way we have everything organized and, and lined up. So I think that makes it easier on every everyone and everything. And my wife, Stacy is doing a good job. She's involved, too. She does all the motel planning, and all, she takes care of all the books. And, you know, it's just a lot. You know, you got we got five cars, and, you know, it's it's crazy. She's She's never did that line of work before. She's just always... For 34 years, she was a dental assistant, and now she's a uh, she's in charge of everything. So it's kind of it's it's I'm sure it's stressful on her too, you know. It's stressful on me, but it's it's getting better. And you know, we finally, you know, we got a house. Uh, literally, we moved in on January 1st, so we've only been in our house now literally not even two months yet. So it's um it's it's been very very good. Sounds a little bit chaotic. Brian, you mentioned um, working for Kears and you're still working remotely. You worked there for a really long time, had such a great relationship with all of them. How has that adjustment been? I feel like you were such a staple in the Ohio sprint car world to be moved here to North Carolina and not in the office and in the shop with Paul and the, the whole gang. How, how has that been? Well, it's crazy because I did work for Kears yeah. um, the first eight years from like 99 to 2006 or seven. Then me and Paul started the mm -hmm. uh, Kistler Racing product there, and it was, I think we did that well. It would be 15 years ago, uh, February 1st. So it's been 15 full years that Kistler's has been open, mm -hmm. and we have been very, very fortunate where, you know, we, I mean, we've built, we built turnkey teams for, you know, believe it or not, David Gravel when he first started. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would have been 13 or 14 years ago. They came with nothing but suitcases, jumped in. We we went and got their trucks, trailers, engines, cars, built everything at Kistler's, and he went straight to Florida. 
when he was 16 years old. So, and we're still doing that. That team that uh, I just was fortunate enough to win a race at East Bay again with another driver with Cole Macedo, um, with uh, his car owner's name is Shannon Eifert. They're from Michigan. And the last two or three years, we've built all their, like, you know, he buys every part from Kistler's there and has has trust in me. And, and we put a team, you know, put the team together and, we went to Florida and actually won one at East Bay, you know, so and there were sixty cars down there, so that was pretty cool for him to get his first win as a car owner. Um, his whole family was there, two little kids. It was it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. How does it work with you remotely working though? Is it is it just a matter of, of communicating and placing orders and stuff? That's that's gotta be different as well. Yeah, it's very different. Dave's doing a great job. I mean Dave was 18 years old when we started it right out of high school. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to say he didn't know anything about racing because he has buddies with Chris Andrews. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think he went to the races with Brian Paulus a bit. But now, after me being there 15 years, you know, he knows my thinking. He knows all the parts. We build it together. So when I, I get orders, if I'm by my computer, I... Send him. I just take a picture of it, send it to him, boom, and he's got it. And if not, I just write it all down. Then I hurry up and call him, and he ships it out for me that day. And it's worked out pretty good the last four months. And I've been so busy since Florida. Like I think last, I felt bad for him the last couple of weeks because he was shipping rear ends and wheels and bars, shocks. He was. I think he shipped one order that was a pallet that weighed about two hundred pounds, and then another. I mean, he's been shipping everything to Florida. It's been crazy. It's been it's been fun. It's and I say my customers. It's like I, it's actually Steve. To be honest with you, it's like I still work there every day because it's like I got my same, let's say thirty or forty customers that call me literally. I would say every day or every other day, and then it's it's like I'm still there. It's it's crazy. That's cool. That's really neat. Brian, I think I saw an interview with Christopher before the season started where he said he wouldn't be doing any dirt racing or sprint car racing. I'm not sure the exact wording he used, but how has it been with him at the shop? I mean, we all know how much he loves his dirt racing. Is he has he come to terms with that? Is he itching? Can he practice? Is there some he's going to be able to do? Um, Aaron, at this point, I, I probably shouldn't say a whole lot. Only thing I can tell you <laughs> is that I, I don't think that he – I don't think that – um, coach wants him to run yeah. any dirt races. You know, is it hard on him? Well, sure, it's hard on him. I mean, yeah. you know, we we built that sprint car thinking that, you know, that, wow, we get to run, you know, maybe that'd be great if we could do even five or ten races a year, you know, some, you know, an outlaw race or a high limit race or even an all-star race, mm-hmm. you know, just go and, and like last year, I don't know if you're aware, me and Christopher and Eric went to Pennsylvania for eight days and ran the entire PA speed week with the micro. And that was a blast. So, you know, to know, you can see in his eyes that, you know, I, I think he, he, he's going to miss it because yeah. that's what he does. He loves dirt racing. But in the same breath, we try to pump him up. And, you know, if he's hands-on here in our shop, and Mikey is, you know, like he, when he comes, we try to give him things to do and make him, feel a part because I, you know, I, I love it when he's a part of it and I love it when he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the main reasons when we came to, you know, came down is because me and him love the same things, you know, and now, you know, he can still go to the races. The good part is the cool part on 
on Wednesdays when he's not working on the weekends, he'll be at Millbridge helping us on all four of those cars. Mm-hmm. So he is looking forward to that. I know he is. So we were only going to do three. And actually last night we were eating dinner at the house and he looked at me and he goes, are you okay if I end up doing the fourth? We do a fourth car and, you know, I don't know who who we're going to put in it yet. We have so many people that want to run for us. So we're kind of, we have three for sure in contract already. And then a fourth one that I don't really want to say for sure, but it's sounding like we're going to do a fourth car now. So, which is okay. That's fine. Already expanding. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, the whole, the whole discussion about that and everything else, um, if, if I've done a bunch of radio shows over the course of this year and people ask me who's my pick to win the cup championship and Christopher's my pick to win the cup yeah. championship. And so uh, as as much as uh, everyone wants to go do dirt racing and everything, you get a, you get a couple of those trophies on the wall and the equation changes and you, uh, you're, you're mm-hmm. able to do a whole lot more. So I know it's difficult and I know it's challenging, but I, I want to, uh, but, but he's the, the, the Gibbs camp and him and, and his crew, he, he is, partnered up with the, I think Adam Stevens may be the best crew chief in the garage area. So it's a great opportunity, but um, Millbridge. Okay. Five years ago, mm-hmm. Millbridge was an outlaw cart track. What Brian, right. and you've been, you've been down here. Christopher's raced over there. Now you guys are talking about fielding three or four cars there. Can you even fathom the growth of micro racing and what's been going on at our little home track there? Well, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's really neat for one thing, but yeah. it's also kind of scary to think that there's this many people that want to come here and race on Wednesdays. Like I know like Chad boat, he's going to have, you know, three or four, you know, we have three or four. Um, I know Sam Johnson's got some, I know, you know, there's three or four guys right there that could have up to, um, you know, let's say that'd be 12 cars. Then, um, uh, who's the, who's the other one there? There's another one. I know there's going to be four, at least four or five teams that, have, yeah, yeah, Carver, yeah, yep. Carver. He's got three or four, so you could have sixteen cars between four teams, and all those teams are going to have the best equipment that money can buy. The difference is they're all going to have. They could have cup drivers. They could have twelve-year-old kids. They could have fifteen-year-old <laughs> kids. It's going to be exciting. Actually, I think it's going to be really cool. I just, I, I just, I, I mean, can, I'm, I'm very glad to be a part of it. I yeah. can tell you that. It's, I, it's just, yeah, I'm the Tuesday night announcer out there for the kids, and I cannot even believe I had great home tracks in Pennsylvania. I moved to North Carolina. Of course, I do the NASCAR thing, and so I said I'll never have another home track again until I decide to get out of the NASCAR business. And now, not only do I have a home track, but it's spectacular. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really, really cool and really, really good. So we're real fortunate around and um, it's all good. It's all good. The final question I have for you here, Brian, is, um, and you and I talked a little bit about this last fall. Um, Your son-in-law is in competition to win a cup series championship, cup series races. Um, What's, what's that like as, and you're you're a sprint car guy, but I know you've been on the road with him some. I know you chat with him some. Uh, watching his journey out to Phoenix, I know you went out there last year. What's that been like to watch your little girl's husband uh, excel in the sport that that you guys all love? It's it's crazy. I remember them sitting on my couch, 
this would have been eight years ago before they even moved down here. Um, you know, Morgan was still, I mean, actually a senior in high school. Um, and they were talking about living down here. And he was so nervous thinking, oh, man, you know, it's going to be a big jump. And then, you know, they they made the jump, moved down here, um, lived in their their previous house for that five years over real close to the racetrack um, over there in Concord. Now they live at um, – they've actually lived in their house now, I think, for a little over a year. They're on Lake Norman, and I love that house. It's it's right on the lake. It's just so – we actually lived with them the first two months before we found a house when we moved down here. Beautiful house on the lake. They're so just, like, calm, and, and you know, he conducts himself and so proud of them the way that both of them conduct themselves. You know, um, he just – he just – I'm a lucky – I'm a lucky dad, you know, to have him as my son-in-law and, you know, Morgan's turned out to, um, you know, she's a, a beautiful young woman now. She's, you know, she's almost 26 years old. Then you look at Christopher, he's 28, you know, and, and, uh, he's sure doing a good job, you know, I mean, on, on the racetrack, I feel he's doing a great job as well. You know, he made the, he made the championship four last year, you know, the last race, which, you know, was incredible i feel if you can just put yourself in that position that's what his goal is every year you know to to to, you know get in the final four you know and and last year he did it you know so i I could not be more proud of the kids i mean first of all that's all you can ask for is the best for your kids and to me he's more like my son not my son-in-law because i mean we talk as (laughs) just racing gearheads because that's what we love is (laughs) He still loves sprint cars. He loves, you know, he loves his midgets. He loves everything. And when he's here at the shop and you watch, he's very good at working on micros. He understands micros so well. It's crazy, like the clutches and and the fuel systems. And he's very good on the computer, which I'm not very, very good on. He is. You know, I understand geometry, like, you know, arm angles and stagger and stuff like that. But when it comes to the technical stuff, he is on it. He he loves them little cars, and I think that's one reason why we have such a good program between Eric Manfris, who helps us here, me, Eric, and Christopher. There's three of us, and I mean Eric's almost fifty. We got two old guys, and then young Christopher <laughs> keeps us going. So it's actually it's actually a really good time. Tell you, we could probably charge admission as much as we pick on each other sometimes, so, <laughs> which is good. You know, yeah, I can believe good. that. Well, and it sounds good too. So, if you're going to field three or four of those cars, it, it's just, it's best that Christopher's not wheeling one of them. You need another good mechanic up there to keep things going. So, um, I love it. I really, well, yeah, that's what he he even said that he goes, Well, I don't want to get you guys too busy, you know. And he goes, I, I mean, I'll be there every Wednesday and I'll make sure that I, I'm taking care of at least one or two of them. I'm like, Sounds good. <laughs> so, I mean, I know it. I mean, I know he he loves it. He yeah. loves it as much as we do, and I and I know he wants to do it, but in the same breath, you know, like I told him, you know, it's his day job. He can't he can't jeopardize that, you know. And mm-hmm. and if coach is the boss, coach is the boss. Yep. You know, you yep. can't. There's no sense of bumping heads with it. There's no, you know, and you know, Adam is such a good crew chief, a good guy. You know, he's I've I have had conversation with Adam before. 
um, what a great, what a great guy. I mean, I'm sure, I think they're going to be good together, hopefully for a long time to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I think when situations arrive like this, you have to look at them as temporary situations yep. and you go through that. And a lot of times you come out the back end with like, well, man, you know what? That turned out pretty good. And it seems like things are turning out pretty good up there as well. And I'm glad they're turning out well for you, Brian, as well. We appreciate you taking some time out, get back to work, get crack the whip on Christopher over there, get him working on some stuff, and uh, we appreciate the time, and we'll see you out at the racetrack real soon. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Aaron. Thanks for uh, having me on. There you go. Brian Kemenaugh joining us on the Sage Fruit Hotline, one of the truly great people on the planet, let alone the sprint yes. car world. Stay with us. More Wing Nation in just a moment. Sage Fruit is a premium grower, packer, and shipper of Washington Tree Fruit. Apples, pears, and cherries, and it's always an exceptional eating experience, and they're grown in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Not only is their produce healthy, but they are grown with such care and precision that you can count on each piece of fruit having exceptional flavor. High-quality fruit, exceptional flavor, healthy snacking. Make sure when you go to your local grocery store, ask for Sage Fruit. Sage Fruit, it's our first choice for quick and easy snacking. Welcome back. It is Wing Nation presented by uh, Sage Fruit, and we are so glad that you have joined us. Um, what a great um, situation for for uh, for Brian and for Christopher yeah. up there. I just think it's really, really neat. It is, and I, I've known Brian for, gosh, 20 years now. And, you know, it's one of those things where you good things happen to good people. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And they just always have been good people, him and Stacy and Morgan, and to see Morgan meet Christopher and how everything is just, it's just really neat to see it. Racing is a challenging lifestyle. Yeah. And it takes Kemenaws and Bells to get together to understand each other. Yeah, yeah, no, because we've seen so many times in in big time auto racing, someone from a racing background and someone from a non racing, you, you can't understand. No, it's this a weird, business. Weird it's a weird business, <laughs> and Morgan Kemenaw understands Christopher Bell's career, um, and and the ups and the downs and the positives mm-hmm. and when to open your mouth, and when not to open your mouth, and when, I mean, it's just, I just think it's a beautiful thing, and I'm so happy for. For for Brian, my friend Brian, uh, I'm so happy for Christopher and Morgan. It's just you you want the best. I remember I remember when when we were we were all going gaga here on Wing Nation about some kid named Kyle Larson, and Kyle got so he was doing this and that, and someone said, "There's a kid from Oklahoma that's going to drive laps around Kyle Larson." Now he's competitive with Kyle Larson. Yeah. There's they're not driving laps around each other. And I said, Bell, you say? Yeah, his name is Christopher Bell, and you watch mm-hmm. him, and, and here we are. And and I am sincere. I believe that sooner rather than later, uh, Christopher Bell will be a Cup Series champion. I agree. And you stack a championship or two up, and sometimes what you're able to do, what you're allowed to do, and what things do kind of evolves. Yep. And things take care of themselves. They really do. Yeah. And uh I just think it's I just think it's fantastic. So mm-hmm. speaking of fantastic, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum, one sprint car place in Knoxville, Iowa, has a birthday. Yesterday would have been Bobby Unser, Tony Willman. Um later this week our buddy Steve Beitler has a birthday. I didn't see him in Daytona. He was there, but I didn't, didn't catch up with him. Uh, Frank Riddle, Bob Russo, Glenn Fitzcharles, Albert Babe Stapp. Um, and tomorrow would have been the birthday of Emil Andrus, uh, Andrus, a 1996 inductee into the Sprint Car Hall of Fame. He was born, Aaron, in 1911, started racing 
Evanston Motor Speedway in Illinois, raced the big cars and the midgets. He was the 1940 uh, American Auto Club Midwest champion in the big cars. Nine Indy 500 starts, finished fourth. That was 1946. That was the first year back after the uh, war. Mm -hmm. And so he finished fourth. Mentored Tony Bettenhausen. Now, there's quite the story as well. Um, Retired in 1950. From 59 to 68, he was the chief steward and uh, supervisor of the USAC Stock Car Division. And he passed away at um, 88 years old in 1999. But he is forever enshrined in the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum. So I love love that we get to do that. Um, I mentioned this, the Bettenhausen uh, thing. Have you had a chance, and I have not, the flow thing? Yes, it's incredible. The flow movie that they did, yeah, of the Bettenhausen. Yes. That's insane. What Flo put out on there. Now, again, Some I've, of those specials they do, they're do they doing now yeah. are really, really um, good. Gary Bettenhausen, I'm a young kid, Five Mile Point Speedway. Mm-hmm. Um, PR, first out of college, first PR at the track. I had a real job, was over at the track. And uh, Jim Randall was the promoter, and he said, uh, and we had USAC. We had a midget series for a few years up in upstate New York, um, maybe eastern Pennsylvania as well, USAC, ARDC, and NEMA. Yep. It was a tri-sanctioned thing. And Five Mile Point was was one of our tracks, uh, one of the tracks. And I was the PR kid at that track. And they're like, uh, call all the local TV stations, tell them Gary Bettenhausen's coming to town, and then jump in the pace car and drive Gary around all these stations. So I enjoyed doing that as a kid. I would have loved doing that at this <laughs> phase, knowing what I know now. Yeah, uh, I'm just some kid and know he's a big star. Um, but we went to different TV stations and rode around, and I look at that day, the Bettenhausen and, and, and the Bettenhausen name, the Bettenhausen, um, just phenomenal. So uh, tip of the cap uh, to Flow Racing for that. They, yeah. that that's, a, that's wonderful. Really what we get, I'm, I'm wrestling with this because I'm, I'm like, I watched in the last week, I've watched a lot of pay-per-view. I've watched more pay-per-view races than I probably will watch the rest of the year yeah. because I stay busy. But like when when they were running, when there's late models every night at East Bay and sprint cars and modifieds and everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, we are. I, <laughs> well, it's I'm, perfect for us because we know we don't make oh, it to sure. too many yeah, dirt sure tracks these days. Yeah. So we're at horse shows t- tuning into the World of Outlaws, and yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's great. We we keep up. I just I just I'm I'm so hesitant about this because I so believe in being at a racetrack and encouraging people to get the racetracks, yeah. but we all live lives where we can't. We're busy. And Life's busy. And exactly. And so uh, it's just fun stuff. It really is. And speaking of fun stuff, we don't have to wait long for the next pay-per-view. <laughs> well, I think I think this is on the pay-per-view. I don't know if this is uh, Thursday night because Flo, uh, Lincoln's doing a limited I can't schedule. Keep up. Yeah, I can't keep up. But <laughs> Lincoln, the fabulous. Well, I, well, there you go, Postman. You know, if it's not on Flow Racing, jump in the car and drive up to Lincoln Thursday night. Yeah. <sighs> Good luck. Got an early morning flight <laughs> yeah. at uh, L.A. on Friday that will probably prevent that. Thursday night, the fabulous Lincoln Speedway. It is the opening day of the icebreaker. Cannot wait to see what happens there. The weekend right now, the icebreaker is on as yep. of uh, 1253 on Tuesday when we record this. If you're watching this later on, make sure you check all the websites and follow along with the fabulous Lincoln Speedway. USCS, well, of course, USCS is racing. Pete Walton's running the ship down there, and there's no rest for the weary there. Winter heat, their winter heat continues. Uh, Southern Raceway in Milton, Florida, Friday and Saturday night. And 360 Racing in California kicks off this weekend with the Lori and Sherm Toller Memorial at Marysville. So we're getting there. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. And um, next week, World of Outlaws are back in business. Yep. And then Posse and hang on. Hang on. <laughs> 
Batten down the hatches. Then we're just along for the ride, along for the ride, and trying to keep up with it all. So, really, really fun. Great, great stuff with Sam Haferteep Jr., Mm -hmm. and always great stuff with Brian Kemenaw. Really, really fun and um, good times. Great times. Absolutely. Headed to California this weekend, out to Auto Club. I haven't been there in two weeks. I haven't been to Southern California in two weeks. (laughs) Racking up the frequent flyer miles. And you know me. I'm a Southern California kind of guy. So, you know, if it's right in my wheelhouse, baby, right there, all those Hollywood people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they're right in. We were at Daytona, and there's like, so-and-so was on pit road. I said, who's that? Like, so-and-so was on pit road. Who's that? So-and-so was on pit road. I know nothing. Yeah, they're getting the younger stars these days. Well, I don't know the older ones either. It was someone that Jimmy had with his guest in – the L.A. Coliseum, and it was a funny one. What was his yeah. name? Young something? I don't even know. He's like some influencer, but yeah, yeah Jimmy had no idea who he was. And it's funny. I he was taking I, pictures with well, Jimmy have, and Richard I Petty. I mean, I don't have I don't have the older stars. I don't. I'm not a pop culture person. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like the perfect person to walk around L.A. because you'll never see me gawking at stars because they could walk right by me and yeah. bump into me and I wouldn't know who they were. So, <laughs> but I'm back out there again. It's all good. Well, Steve, uh, that's because you are pop culture. Oh, I am you pop culture. You are yeah. the oh, yeah. star. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, hey, again, thanks to Brian and Sam for joining us. More important, though, than all of that, thank you for joining us here this week on Wing Nation. Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com.